Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text tonight for this last of the the Advent midweek services is from the prophet Isaiah, that Advent prophet, the 11th chapter in the first verse, which reads, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. So far our text, dear friends in our Lord Jesus Christ, Isaiah is not the only one with trees on his mind. It seems we all have them on our minds these days. We have them not only on our minds, but strapped also to the roofs of our cars and carefully placed down and positioned in the choicest spots on our living room floors, not to mention our churches, prominently placed in the public squares. Tis the season, isn't it? Is the season, the time again for that traditional seasonal rite of picking the perfect tree. The perfect tree. Not some Charlie Brown special. One that bends and, and sags under the weight of a single ornamental bulb, no. But a sturdy, a grand specimen. One that once graced the forest or the, the tree farm with its solitary beauty. We look for for trees that carry names like noble fir. We like our trees to be those around which we can stand and we can sing, O Christmas tree, how lovely are thy branches. Those are the kinds of trees that we tend to like. Those are the kinds of Christmas trees that we expect. Tonight, in this last of our midweek Advent services, As we reflect again on the Advent prophet's words about the Messiah, we pause to consider the tree that Isaiah had in mind. The image of this tree, though, it's it's not so entirely impressive as we might expect. It's a stump. A stump. No crown. No stately trunk. It's just a stump. And stumps are never the pride of the forest. Now, stumps, of course, are made when trees are cut down. And that's precisely what happened to the noble line of Jesse. It was cut down. The sons and grandsons, descendants of Jesse that God had raised up to lead his people, they abdicated their God-given responsibilities. They led the people of Israel and Judah into all sorts of sins and, and apostasies. And so God raised up the acts of Babylon. And he put it to the trunk, and in the lowest and most humiliating point of Jesse's line, the prominence of his noble lineage was cut down. Whereas once his budding son David blossomed into a great and mighty king, and his grandson, Jesse's grandson Solomon, he bloomed into noble wisdom and splendor unequaled in all of the world, now in one swift stroke, The Lord cut this wayward, growing tree down, cut it down to a shameful stump, and sent her into Babylonian captivity. Not the kind of tree we might expect when we consider, especially when we consider, that Isaiah's prophecy speaks of the the coming Messiah. And we might be surprised that its, its branches... We're never so lovely that we might sing about them, for when we consider the individual branches of Jesse's family tree, they're really not all that lovely, are they? Think about it. The first words of the first chapter of the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, 
The opening words lay out in detail the lineage of the Messiah. But take a close look at the branches of this family tree. Listen to what Matthew writes. He says, Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob. But who was Jacob, recall? But a thief who stole his brother's birthright. And Jacob, he goes on to say, begot Judah. But recall, Judah slept with and had a child by his daughter-in-law. Matthew goes on to describe the, the lineage of the Messiah, saying, And Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Remember, Rahab was a prostitute. And Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Ruth, not a daughter of Israel, a Moabite woman. And Obed begot Jesse, he writes, and Jesse begot David the king. But David, David was far more than a king, wasn't he? For he was an adulterer and a murderer. And David the king, he writes, begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. And of course, Solomon became a godless worshiper of idols. And the list in Matthew goes on and on and on with the names of many wicked kings and apostatizing kings. And it goes on with the names of kings until Matthew writes this, And Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away into Babylon. And here in the family tree, the names of the kings cease. Cut down. But the names of the sinful descendants of Jesse continue on and on all the way until Matthew writes, And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now that's quite a family tree. Nobility who were anything but noble, sons learning nothing, it seems, from the sins of their fathers and thoughtlessly imitating their wrongs, and needlessly suffering the same fallout and fate, brokenness and disharmony, greed and mistrust abounding. Is it starting to sound familiar? Maybe it's starting to resemble in a very uncomfortable way. Maybe it's starting to resemble the waywardness and the twistedness of of our family trees, every last one of them. Jesse's line, you see, was not so entirely unordinary. Sure, his sons and grandsons ruled the world, but so often they couldn't even keep order in their own households. It's true, isn't it, that the, the Lord established the throne of David in a unique way and forever, and yet, just like you and, and just like me, and yet David, great David, felt the intense pain. And the agony of the fallout of mankind's sins or his own. As David stood helplessly over his infant son. And watched. And all he could do was watch. As his infant son, only days old, died. David, the great David, knew the pain like you and I do of, of the sins of the world. The world's sins. Or his own. As he watched another one of his sons, a beloved son of his Absalom. Turn a shoulder to dad and completely and totally rebel from him, breaking off all communication. A sad, sad story of a stump, if that's all there is to it. But Isaiah, our Advent prophet, tells us quite plainly that that's not the end of the story. That's not the final fate of the stump. Listen. There shall come forth a shoot 
from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The tree was cut down to the ground, but there, at the base of that dismal stump, a sign of life, as a small shoot springs forth. Oh, how we would be remiss tonight if we didn't turn all eyes to that single and solitary shoot. For upon its vitality depends the viability of that stump of Jesse. Upon its vitality rests the viability of every single dismal stump spread throughout all this dismal world. Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, is the shoot from Jesse's stem. A descendant of a dysfunctional family, he was a descendant nonetheless. In this I must repeat, he was a descendant nonetheless. Let not tonight the immensity of this truth pass us by too quickly, for this is what it means that Christ was a descendant. It means that Jesus Christ, the Son of God the Father, of equally divine essence, very God, a very God, as we say in the ancient creed, eternal, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-knowing, the Son of God whose hand was in the creation of all things that were created for us men and for our salvation. He became a descendant of mankind, a descendant of Jesse. You see, it means that the Almighty God bothered to care about us in our dismal condition and to do something about it. It means that God interjected himself, divinity and all, into the dismal abyss of our dismal world, and he did it by becoming one of us. The Son of God was incarnate and fleshed. To redeem the likes of us, God had to become like us, and not just like us, I should say, but, but had to be one of us. David's son. For he was born like you and I are born. He, was, he, he felt life's growing pains like you and I feel them. He shared in the same frustrations we feel. He shared in the same delights of creation. He felt the same satisfaction. Did this branch of Jesse, when daily bread filled his stomach or cool drink quenched his thirst, he felt the same relief as you and I when we lay our heads down to rest after a hard day's work. He felt the same grief at the loss of one who was dear to him. He knew the same temptations that come to you and, and to me daily. And yet he, unlike us or any one of our family tree, he was without sin. He didn't repeat the sins of his earthly fathers before him. He didn't imitate their godless deeds that brought so much shame and hurt. He didn't sow the seeds of brokenness and disharmony or greed and mistrust. His life was perfect so that his death upon the tree of the cross might be perfect. So that it might be perfect satisfaction and atonement for, for all sins. And let me say that again too. For all sins. For let not also this truth pass us by too quickly tonight. Because this man, David's son, is also God... And David's Lord, 
The sins of the entire world can't possibly now or ever equal the value of a single drop of his blood, God's blood spilled. Healing, balm, or the sap and the salve of salvation that dripped from this branch for you and for me. No single sin. No single sin is too heavy. No amount of sin is too great. The shoot of Jesse cannot bear their load. That the branch of Jesse can't lift and alleviate it or the sum of them all off of your shoulders. No single life, I tell you, is too far gone. None. Ever. That you can't at once begin to benefit from the fruits of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon that tree of life. One of our Lutheran hymns captures that image, the tree of life, so well. Saying this in one of its verses, From cross and tree of Jesus' shame flows life eternal in his name. For all who trust and will believe salvation's living fruit receive. And of this fruit... So pure and sweet, the Lord invites the world to eat, to find within the cross of wood the tree of life with every good. There's one last thing that I'd like to leave you with this evening. It's a poem, a poem written by a Lutheran pastor, a Lutheran pastor that was inspired when he went shopping for his Christmas tree. It echoes the Advent prophet's words so well. It goes like this. Every year, I drag a dying tree into the house and stick it in water spiked with preservative, evergreen, symbol of life in death that is ours in Jesus, leaving stuck in some forgotten forest a stump where once a fir tree nobly stood. Isaiah saw David's family tree cut down and made a decoration in Babylon's living room, leaving a nothing but a stump, lifeless, though very much alive, a remnant root buried deep in Israelite soil, nourished by the promise that God is true to his word. That stump of Father Jesse sprouted when time was fully ripe, First, a tender shoot named Jesus springing fresh on virgin wood. Then a righteous branch making Jordan's waters sweet. Finally, a fruitful tree of life. A cross from which a dying world may eat and live forever. A blessed Advent tide to you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.